Okay, welcome back, everybody. We um, have Angela Schaffner back this week. She was here last week um, promoting her um, new book, Gathereth-In, on small groups, um, leading transformational small groups. And we just talked about how a lot of us are kind of living in a space where um, we're doing more small groups and um, a lot of things are happening in smaller groups because of the pandemic. And so um, how, how we can um, lead those better and be better members of those kind of groups. But today we want to kind of talk about the elephant in the room, and that is um, our mental health um, right now. Um, in the midst of this pandemic, and because Angela's specialty is in mental health, um, because she's a psychologist, we decided to have her back on to talk to us through um, just some common experiences we're all having right now. I, you know, it's, I think that everything's new to everybody, and that's the interesting thing about this pandemic is that we're all kind of in the same place. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to a friend of mine who was like worried about like her kids, um, and I'm worried too about, you know, where her kids are going to be at the end of this year, education wise. And I'm like, well, every child in the world is um, in that boat. So it's not just, um, it's not just us. Um, so this is kind of a common thing. So welcome back, Angela. Thanks for being on again and for taking more time with us. We really Thank appreciate you. it. I'm excited to be here. And I think this is an incredibly important topic that I hope everyone will give themselves permission to have self-awareness about and address in whatever capacity you need to, because something, you, you know, you're exactly right that we're all dealing with this on some level. And that's kind of why this is a unique time, I think, because there are often, you know, usually I'll see people coming in for therapy and I'm asking them about the different stressors in their life and things that are going on for them. And those are mm -hmm. different types of things. Um, and all of those things are still present or even more intense for the people coming in. But what we all have on top of that as therapists and clients is this challenge of COVID and all of the other things going on in our culture right now that are really present for everyone. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know we all experience those very differently depending on um, many different kinds of factors, but um, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, well, at least I don't have X or at least I still have a job or at least I still have this or that. And I think it is important to acknowledge and be grateful for what, what is going well for us, but to also give yourself plenty of permission that your situation doesn't have to be as bad as anyone else's for it to be, um, for it to be valid, a valid level of struggling. You know, um, I hear that a lot with eating disorders, um, which is my specialty. And a lot of people I work with have, have eating concerns. Almost, it feels like almost every client that I've talked to with eating concerns at some point feels that their behaviors or, or struggle around food is not as bad as someone else's and that that somehow makes it invalid. And I think it's just really important for all of us right now to, whether you've been to therapy or not, whether you have an, a diagnosis you can point to or not, um, it, there is a valid reason to seek support for everyone right now. And um, I just wanna really encourage anyone, if you think that you are stressed out and would benefit from help, you probably would benefit from help. And there doesn't need to be you know, some threshold where you, you go into crisis mode before you reach help and reach out for help. In fact, I think it's really important that we strive to be proactive about our mental health, not, you know, and to treat it almost more like a dentist appointment. Like it's something you do regularly to keep yourself from having issues later. Um, I wish we could all approach mental health a little more like that as just part of our lives. You know, um, my husband and I were talking recently, Dusty and I, about we didn't really land on a, a definite solution about this but maybe just choosing a point in time where each of our kids will go to therapy whether or not there's some huge issue to point to um, just so they have the experience of connecting with the therapist and learning what therapy is like and getting you know i i don't think it could hurt anyone um yeah. to get support i mean you know why not so um and and I believe that for myself too, you know, it's, it's, there's times on a regular ongoing basis that I reach out for my own support and I'm not shy about saying that because I think we all need it. Yeah. And I think there's so much shame around mental health and I feel like it, if there's a positive to this pandemic, I think it's that 
it has normalized this stress and this depression and this anxiety. Like I literally can't think of one person I know in real life who is not struggling with those things and who is like doing awesome right now. Not one person. Um, and I think it has kind of normalized the struggle and made it a little bit less shameful because you know, when everyone's going through something and it should never be shameful if you're struggling with any of these things, Mm -hmm. but I think now it's almost like, well, of course I'm depressed. We're in a pandemic and I'm isolated. And it's, it's almost made it more approachable in a way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is like kind of a, not a positive, but just, I feel like it's normalized mental health. And right. I guess our hope today is that we kind of take some shame away from just yeah. the struggle because we're all, we literally are all dealing with it. All of us. Yes, I, I think that's really important. And that can have both an upside and a downside to it, I think, in how we approach it. Because on the one hand, people might say, well, everybody is stressed. Um, why am I unique enough to need to go to a therapist or something? You know, we're all going through this together. Maybe I'll just talk to a friend. And talking to a friend could be helpful, um, certainly. Or having like some kind of Zoom group or, or get together where you're getting emotional support. That's great. Um, you know, but don't let the fact that everyone's dealing with it um, keep you from seeking help. But I agree with what you're saying. The, the benefit is that we all are kind of having to confront maybe, you know, some higher levels of depression and anxiety. And because it is more the norm, maybe it can also be more the norm to get help. Yeah. Yeah. Chris and I call it like what you're describing this sort of like hierarchy, Chris and I call it the Olympics of suffering. Like, (laughs) People are always like, well, you this, but me, or, you know, it's like this like human tendency to be like, well, yeah, I'm sorry you're going through that. But did I tell you about my childhood? And it's like, you know, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. stupid because suffering is relative and it always sucks. And like, in Mm -hmm. some ways, I think this could be just as hard for people who have easy lives because maybe they haven't dealt with suffering or maybe they've like, at least like, I feel like I've, you know, maybe we talked about this podcast, but I have like OCD and um, anxiety, depression stuff I always have. And so it's something, it's almost like I've, I've built up this muscle to know how to deal with it. But I've been thinking a lot about people who've never had to deal with it before. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, for some of us, it's like, okay, yeah, I've been through this before. Let me like show you how I've learned to cope. And, you know, we kind of have our things in place, but for a lot of people, this may be the first time they're really dealing on like a, mm-hmm. a level outside of just a normal bad day with something really difficult mentally. Right. Yeah. And it's people, it's important for people to know that is okay. You know, it's okay to suffer and struggle. I think even, you know, coming from a faith perspective, um, you know, we're taught that there's value in suffering, but there, you know, that doesn't mean you just got to grit your teeth and, and push through it in an isolated kind of way um, to be a good Christian. I mean, like, I think that's actually a pretty destructive sort of view to internalize. I mean, um, we are a body of believers and a body of people that need one another's support and um, need to seek that when it's appropriate, you know? Yeah. So what do you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say as, as someone who has not struggled with depression, anxiety um, in my life, that doesn't mean I don't have other struggles, but those, those types, especially anxiety, um, I've never really struggled with that in my life. Um, but I had during this pandemic had my first panic attack. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, I never had one before. That doesn't mean I haven't worried. You know, we all, we all worry and have anxiety, but like to the level to where like right. it's over overwhelming, you know, like I've never had that before. Um, um, yeah. and I've had it a couple of times during this pandemic. And, um, I think, I think it's a good point, Rebecca, that you made that like, um, for those of us that haven't, I've had, you know, I've had to see a counselor for other things, but I've never had to like address that part of mental health of like depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's new to some of us. And I guess my question is for those who are new, to, those of us that are new to feeling anxiety and isolation and depression um, that aren't typically prone to that, like, I guess what's the next right step for us? Like what, what do we need to know about that? And what do, what do we need to do about that? That's a great question. I'm really glad you're asking it because I think one of the first things you can do is in the just immediate short-term response to that is to allow it to be present. You know, I mm-hmm. think 
often what happens with people is that they become alarmed about the feeling that they're having, or they become judgmental mm -hmm. about the feeling that they're having. Yeah. So you have a panic attack or you have anxiety that's present and it never has been before. Try to become curious about it and make space for it to understand it better. Um, the temptation a lot of times is to make it go away, to try to make it go away um, mm -hmm. or to judge yourself for having it or to panic because it's unfamiliar. And mm -hmm. anything unfamiliar, we tend to get pretty um, worked up about sometimes, you know, like we see that happening everywhere, like people waiting to hear about how the schools are going to look and things like that. Like there are really, really high anxiety levels um, among parents right now, I think, because of that. And there, there's countless other examples um, in our culture about the anxiety that's present about different things. So when that happens, because it will probably happen in, in most people's lifetime that you have at least some experience um, emotionally that is powerful um, around, that's distressing, distressing and powerful. So when that happens, I would suggest, like I said, making space for it, seeking to understand it more than quickly trying to label it as something or quickly mm -hmm. trying to make it go away or judging it in any way. Yeah. And I think For it's sure. important too, just to normalize the experience. I mean, um, which is what you're saying, but also just to realize that like, we are in a really weird situation right now. Like nothing about life right now is normal or God's intent for us, mm -hmm. nothing about it is something that humans were made to like be awesome at. So mm -hmm. if you're having a hard time, you should be like, it's normal for you to be. And like, however that manifests, whether it, you know, some people get more depressed, some people get more anxious, some people get controlling, like whatever way you're like processing what's happening, like mm -hmm. it, something weird should be going on, I think, because this is a really weird freaking situation right. that regardless of if you've dealt with anxiety and depression before, like you've never dealt with a pandemic unless you're like 110. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> like this is just, it's weird. And so I think it, it you're having a normal response to an abnormal situation. Yeah. It's just, what do you do with that response? Like, obviously we can't let that response run our lives, but like, it's normal to react that way. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's been really helpful for me personally. And, and I've suggested to people, you know, when I do hear them or hear myself becoming alarmed at something that feels different or harder in my life right now to just back up for a second and say, I need to remember that I'm in a pandemic right now. Like I, this doesn't have to be my, my very best implementation of parenting or self like hopefully it is good self care, but it doesn't have to be my, my optimum performance of all these different areas of my life. How could it be? We're in the midst of a pandemic. Everything is different. Lots of things are different. Um, so we need to ease up on our self expectations and be kind of constantly mindful that we are in a unique time with unique demands and we are carrying an extra layer of stress. How that comes out is going to look different person to person how much we're affected is going to look different person to person. But that, like we were saying, that common layer of stress is there that usually isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Put it really well. I like a couple of weeks ago, he was saying that like we're vines and all of our trellises have been taken away and we're just sort of like on the ground. We have nothing to like grow up on. Like all those things that gave structure to our lives and gave us something outside of ourselves. Like we're all just sort of like, tangling on ourselves on the ground. So how can we put up new trellises when mm -hmm. like a school schedule are gone or just, you know, everything that was normal is like kind of weird. Like we need to be focusing on putting up mm -hmm. new trellises because this is what it's going to be like for a while. You know, like it's, it's no longer like, you know, March where we're like, this is weird. Now it's like, okay, it's been like a few months. So obviously we're going to have to figure out how to cope in this next phase of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a useful question right now is what is my creative solution going to be? Um, what are some creative ideas I can experiment with? Um, for instance, in my own life, you know, when it comes to self-care and managing stress it, on a normal basis outside of COVID, it, Taekwondo, I mean, I think I've probably talked about that at some point on this podcast, you know, is a huge part of my life. It is a something I did on a really regular basis um, before COVID 
but I haven't done it in five months. You know, it's not something, it's such a communal activity for me that, you know, it's not something where, I mean, I guess I could like go outside to my carport every day and practice my roundhouse kicks, but I can tell you that I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, and it wouldn't be the same even if I did, because part of that experience was almost like a spiritual experience, a communal experience with a group of people. And so it's, um, it's not present, you know? So I'm having to ask myself, what am I going to do in terms of self-care and managing stress? it has to look different right now. And what is that going to look like for me? Yeah. I think also it's important to remember, like I have to keep telling myself, nobody's at their best self right now. So I'm not at my best self. So I am making decisions and doing things out of not my best self. Mm -hmm. Everybody around me is also doing things and making decisions and processing things, not at their best self either. And Mm -hmm. that helps me to like have grace for other people as well. And to recognize um, it it, it provides a a communal aspect to it that we're all kind of going through the same thing, but also it gives me grace to know that like, if somebody does something really crappy to me at the grocery store, that really bothers me. Like I have to remember they're not at their best self too. And Mm -hmm. that every time I remember that, that gives me grace for others. And when I am able to give grace for others, I can give grace to myself because then I'm like, Oh, I'm not at my best self self either. And that's okay. Um, but I just have to keep telling myself that (laughs) that we're all not at our best self right now because it's all new to us. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. like, we all like, um, lost our jobs and got a new job at the same time. Like, Mm -hmm. or you're just not going to, you're not going to be at your peak performance at that moment. Um, but it's a great point. Yeah. And I would hope for people to be able to do both parts of that, to be patient with others and give a little more grace, but also be patient with yourself and give yourself Mm -hmm. a little more grace. Um, Like you were saying, you know, you also may be extra irritated with that person that is being annoying and that is also okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's been a really interesting experience for me to kind of pull myself out and kind of observe it from the outside, just of myself and my family and what's going on. Um, you know, like not getting caught in my feelings, but kind of like stepping out and saying, okay, like, what am I experiencing? What does this look like? And, um, it's funny. And, um, we've talked about this before, but I'm an Enneagram four and, um, that's relevant because one of the things I struggle with is structure Mm. and, um, like routine. I really need it, but I have a hard time making it for myself. Mm-hmm. And so something that's been happening to me is I've just sort of felt like I'm floating along for a few months. And so I've been recently, um, the last couple of weeks, I've been making sure I was like, okay, what are some things I can do that are going to have a positive impact on my mental health? And of course, one of them is exercise, which is like probably not on the even, you know, it's like probably the bottom of my list of things I actually want to do. But I gave myself this goal and I was like, you know what, for 20 minutes every day, I'm going to get on my treadmill. And mm-hmm. I have had days where like literally I sit on it and scroll my phone and don't do anything. I've had days where I don't even put shoes on because it's annoying and I don't want to. And I walk on like a one mile an hour and I'm barely doing anything, but like Mm -hmm. I've just a point and it's, it's kind of given me a new trellis of like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is a positive thing. And it's given me kind of a sense of control in Mm -hmm. a positive way. Like I'm not being like OCD about it, but I'm just, it's something that I've committed to doing for myself. So I'm curious for y'all, like, do you have anything like that that you figured out? Like, this is something I can do that I know will have a positive impact and that is small enough because for 20, I mean, 20 mm-hmm. minutes is, you know, that's doable, right? Like I couldn't do an hour, but every day I can find 20 minutes. So that's something I can do. What about you guys? I think those type of goals are really, um, really important to look internally and make sure that that's, those are your personal goals. You know, mm-hmm. um, there they can and should look different person to person depending what you need. And so I would really encourage people to do, to not be comparing themselves to what others are doing. Like for instance, you know that you need to put some sort of routine in your schedule. You know, there's others who struggle more with um, having too rigid a routine that may need to just allow themselves to have a day that's unproductive. Like it's fine. It's part of life, you know? Um, but for me personally, um, one practice that's been helpful for me, I actually did a, um, small group on zoom that was focused on this book called the artist's way. 
And mm -hmm. it's a really good book that kind of encourages creativity and getting in touch with the part of yourself that is a, that creates things and that is an artist. I don't know if I even would have called myself an artist before I read that book, but as a writer, I can kind of relate to a lot of things in the book. And uh, for me, one of the practices they talked about in that study was, well, first of all, the study itself was something to build into my life once a week that felt like self-care. And it was just something I could attend and not be the leader and just take something positive from it and interact with people. And then one of the practices though, they talk about in the book, um, Julia Cameron is the author and she talks about the practice of doing these morning pages where every morning you do some journaling that is like um, really unfiltered, just sort of clearing your head um, without any stopping to reread it, without any kind of editing or trying to be appropriate or creative, just mm -hmm. let it out, you know? And that has been a helpful practice for me. And I've found that I haven't said I have to do this every day, but I've found myself more and more being consistent and doing it every day because, or almost every day, because I benefit from it. Yeah. It clears my head, you know? So for me, that's what works. What about for you, Rebecca? Yeah. Well, first off, another plug for the artist way. I've done it before, and oh, I'm yeah. not, I don't consider myself an artist either. But um, morning pages was a super um, yes. helpful um, habit to get into, um, mm -hmm. and lots of, there were other things in that in that um, study that have been um, beneficial that I've held on to since I've done that class. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, it's um, vitamin D. Like, and I'm not talking about drinking milk. I'm talking about being outside. Like, mm -hmm. I I um, I have to go outside. So, and it's hard right now because it's hot. We live in Atlanta and it's hot. Um, luckily our neighborhood pool finally opened, but like I, I have to, if it's just to like go stand outside for a few minutes or if it's just like put out my lawn chair and like just sit outside for a few minutes, I have to go outside and mm -hmm. I have to make that commitment multiple times a day that mm -hmm. I have to go outside and breathe fresh air. Um, and I would have never thought that before, probably just because I was outside for reasons that you know, just everyday life. But now like we're at a place where we don't have to go outside, but um, I have to make myself do it. Um, I have to go for a walk. I have to sit out on the porch. I have to take the kids to the pool. I have to do something um, outside. Um, that's the only way I can, if I get to the end of the day and I haven't been outside, I can tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that like the common thread between all three of these, like we're all doing different things, but it's like, how do we feel at the end of it? And you know, it's not like a rigid rule for the sake of having a rule, but like, mm -hmm. like you're both saying you feel better after you do those things. I certainly feel a lot better when I'm exercising consistently. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's like trying, it's, it's all going to be trial and error right now too. So, you know, there's a lot of freedom to try things and them not work out and, mm -hmm. you know, try something new. Right. Yeah. So that's good. What else? Um, so something that I've seen, well, there's two things I kind of want to talk about. One of them, I remember at the beginning of all of this, <clears throat> excuse me, they were, sorry, I don't have COVID. I just was coughing. Um, <laughs> someone, there was this like tweet that went like kind of viral that was like, if you said you didn't have time before, now you know that you're lying or something. Like basically saying that like anything you've been putting off that, um, well, now you have all the time in the world. So you're just lazy. Can we talk about that mindset? Because even if somebody doesn't know like the particular tweet I'm referring to, like there, there has been kind of, I've felt a pressure of like, well, you have all this time now, like you should be like picking up a hobby or you should be like, you know, what's your quarantine hobby? Like I've gotten that question a lot. Um, can we talk about that for a second? Because yeah. I don't have one. Right. Uh, mine's been wa binge watching Netflix. I don't know about you. And I, I feel bad about that. <laughs> like yeah. I felt some shame about like, oh, I, I should really be like, quote unquote, using my time wisely. Yeah. I think what I've noticed, and I've been more an observer of myself, I, I do that anyway, but I have seen myself go through this initial stage where I did exactly what you were saying or felt the pressure to say, wow, you know, now's the time to go through the kids artwork that they've had since they were two and you know put it all in order or something and go through my unfinished basement storage area that is cluttered and messy and disorganized you know now's the time like i have to complete all these things why not you know i can't go anywhere so i kind of went through that but then sort of reached a point where i was like 
yeah, I don't think I want to do that, even though I have the time, you know, <laughs> and I, I want a balance and maybe it's okay for that. You know, it got in order to a degree, but then I kind of let myself off the hook or tried to, in terms of like every single project needing to be complete. That wasn't a helpful mindset, you know, yeah. um, for me. So I think I've observed myself going through different stages and lately it's been, uh, you know, sort of realizing this isn't just a couple of months that we're pushing through and then going back to normal. Like this is sort of a changed reality for a while. So we've got to kind of put our heads around like, well, what am I going to do if I'm not going to do Taekwondo? I'm not just waiting for the school to open. The school is closed now um, for good. So, you know, what am I going to do instead? And what can I do during COVID mm -hmm. that is going to help me feel good in my body and help me, um, you know, feel good in all ways in my emotions and spiritually. And it's been a challenging time, I think, in a good way in my faith as well, because I think all of us, at least it's been my experience to a lot of times think about my faith in combination with faith based activities. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel good about my faith when I feel connected to God, but also when I'm in a Bible study or leading something at church or, you know, ministering in different ways. And right now, so much of that has been limited. It's been like this positive challenge to realize, you know, when the church doors are shut, my faith is still there, mm -hmm. you know, and sort of this new challenge in that way. So I think we're all going through a lot of different stages. I don't even remember your original question. I'm just talking at this point. <laughs> no, you're right. I was just asking, like, just in the beginning, there was kind of a pressure to, like, be productive. Oh, right. Yeah. And, you know, and we yeah. were talking about that. But that leads me to another question. You know, a lot of people have been talking about the importance of grieving the things we've lost. Mm. But how do we know? Okay, so my tendency is to stay in grief and to just kind of like be sad, you know, like, um, how do we know when we've, if you tend to be a person who gets stuck in grief or avoids grief, I mean, those can both be bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rebecca raised your hand. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, how do we know, like, and, and grief is tricky. I'm sure you would say that we're never like a hundred percent, like done grieving things that are painful, but mm -hmm how do we know when we have healthily grieved this situation or when we're just sort of like ignoring it or over mm. being like everything's blamed on the pandemic and I'm not going to do anything, you know? Right. Well, I think we can sort of assess whatever approach we're taking to the pandemic and ask ourselves, is that working? You know, is, is there a good fruit that comes from doing what I'm doing in in a, my approach to the pandemic. And that's where I think it's really individual that, you know, if it's not helping me or helping me be who I want to be in my relationships with other people to approach it in a certain way, then maybe something needs to shift. And we need to give ourselves a lot of grace around making those shifts in small ways, a little bit at a time, you know, that's my so thought. How do you think we, like, how do we know when we've kind of grieved this though yeah. do you know what I mean like I know there's no finishing point but I guess yeah. I'm asking like how do we know that we're being healthy yeah I think that's one of those questions that I would say it's kind of both and like yes grief is ongoing I mean I I will probably always miss um going and doing taekwondo and certain things will remind me of it or or whatever, maybe there's some new way I'll experience it in the future, but it won't be the same school or the same group of people. So I'm always, I think, going to grieve that a little bit, but it's always a balance, I think, of creating space for your emotional experience or your grief process or whatever is going on that's painful. And also, you know, two primary things that come to mind are addressing self-care and connection with other people. So just because we can't physically gather in the same ways we usually would, you know, we still need connection. And so if that happens on zoom or phone calls or however you can manage it, um, you know, we still need connection. And I think that is really 
a key component to if you're grieving, get connected to other people who are grieving, get talk through it with other people who are, you know, for me, like missing Taekwondo or something and process it together. But also what is the self care that needs to be in place? Um, you know, and usually that boils down to eating, sleeping, having enjoy, having a mix of enjoyable activities and work that helps you to feel a sense of purpose and pr productivity, you know, having all of that to be in balance as much as possible mm -hmm. and acting from a place of valuing yourself in the choices that you make about those things. Yeah. No, it's good. And I think it does involve just to, like we were talking earlier, just kind of a curiosity about it instead of a judgment about it, you know, just being curious, like, why am I, you know, being curious about our grief? Cause I've missed things I never thought I would miss, you know? Yeah. And, um, just like small, and it's funny, like I've always been one of those people who wants life to be extraordinary. I really struggle with like mundane things, but that's one of the things I've really missed or just my mundane, like dropping the kids off at school and like, chatting with this one mom in the parking lot about nothing. It's like, those are the things that I really miss, not the big concerts or whatever, but mm -hmm. so it's interesting as I've grieved to kind of notice the things that, um, yeah. Yeah. My losses, as it were, what they were. Yeah. So it makes me think though, another thing, um, that we wanted to talk about, particularly with you, because you specialize in eating disorders, there's been just so much talk about like the quarantine 15, People gaining weight, you know, you mentioned your Taekwondo. Am mm -hmm. I saying it's Taekwondo, right? Is that where the emphasis People is? I'll say it both ways. I, I tend to say Taekwondo. Taekwondo. You can always uh, say it either way. But your studio closing, I mean, like, so many things have changed. Like, we're comfort eating, we're emotional eating, we're not exercising as much. Like, maybe mm -hmm. our gym's closed, whatever. Like, can mm -hmm. we just talk a little bit about how bodies let's just talk about our bodies. I don't even know. I just feel like we need to normalize and say these things out loud because I mean, yeah, I think we're all struggling with this. Everyone's feeling shame. There was also some pressure at the beginning of the pandemic to um, work out a lot or to use this time to like get your beach bod or whatever. And uh, people have gained a couple pounds and are yeah. struggling to exercise. So can we just talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll share my personal experience around that. And again, I think it's really individual how everybody's going to go through this and what the, the right next step is for that person. You know, like I'm, so this isn't so much an, a prescription as just a description of what I've experienced, but you know, so at first I was missing Taekwondo. I was trying to keep up with exercise in other ways or, you know, um, running or swimming or something. And trying to be really consistent, but I mean, you know, I've experienced my body in a different way. Like when I'm not kicking targets three times a week, it's just, it's different. And so, um, you know, I've gotten some different clothes to accommodate that, or I've gotten, you know, and it's, it's to me though, like a challenge to, uh, to embrace uncertainty and to embrace a little bit of discomfort and kind of challenge the, um, the sense that I have to have this reliable thing in place to be happy, mm. you know, like I, I think there's a time in the past where I would have thought it would be absolutely like intolerable to not have Taekwondo be a part of my life, you know, or, or even church or different things. And, and so here we are though, and that's our reality. So in a way it's sort of an exciting opportunity to me to, to navigate an uncomfortable place. And if we can do that from a place of self-compassion, you know, something I've noticed about myself is that even though I feel like I have a healthy balance of exercise in my life overall at this point, you know, it's always been this, this little bit of a feeling like this is something I have to keep up and I have to do on a regular basis in order to feel good. And it is a positive behavior. It's something I want to be a part of my life. But recently I kind of decided I'm just going to, I'm going to take a month and just not feel compelled. I'm not like, it, it's not so, needing to be something specific, but I'm just kind of taking a time out from any yeah. workout goals, any workout plan, any workout, anything. I mean, um, you know, I'm wearing pajama pants all the time anyway. It kind of works out. I mean, you know, and I, I'm just using it as an opportunity to like realize I can be okay. Yeah. 
without an exercise routine. And, and I, I do want to go back to, to it. I think it's a healthy part of my life. I don't know. I'm sort of working this out yeah. as I'm talking about it. And, you know, but to me, it's like sort of this exciting opportunity. COVID has put a pause button on so many things um, in our new way of life can be an opportunity to just go a little easier on ourselves instead of it being this, oh, well, you have this extra time, so you need to do um, an even more intense workout or an even more um, strict sort of health plan of whatever thing that you're trying to take on. I mean, why could it not just be the opposite? Like, Mm -hmm. and again, I understand this is very individual. For some people, you know, that's not going to be the same kind of experience as it is for me, but um, I don't know. So that's just me sharing where I'm at. Yeah. No, I think that's good because it's been, you know, people, I've noticed people being really prescriptive and it feels like my observations of just friends and online stuff is people are super scared to gain weight. Like it seems like we're in a pandemic and people are more scared to get chubby than we are to like get sick or for family member to get sick. If you really get down to like how people really feel and that's not a judgment on anyone who feels that way because I felt that way, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's more like, why is this so scary to us? Like, why is the worst thing that could happen is us going up a pant size? Why is that the worst thing? Well, I have a lot of thoughts about that. If you want me to tell you, I, I mean, you to tell I, I think it is deeply embedded in our thin obsessed culture, health obsessed culture, that this has to be a primary focus for, I think everyone feels it, but women in my experience, tend to feel it especially intense. Um, You know, this need to appear a certain way and meet society's ideal of, of how we present ourselves in our bodies. And, you know, there are some great movements out there of, of people trying to get a different kind of attitude to be more prevalent in our culture, like the health at every size movement, for instance, Um, just, affirming people in larger bodies, realizing there's such a, con- a connection um, genetically and all kinds of factors that play into why we are the size we are, you know, um, that are not as simple as just if you follow this food plan and this exercise plan, it's going to be this output of the exact body that you want. That right. is a completely false um, sort of idea about how our bodies work, you know? And so if we could all dig a little deeper to understand things like genetics and metabolism and, you know, all of the factors, stress, right? Exactly. So many layers that play into these different things for us. Um, if we could just have more of an understanding and acceptance of size diversity and, um, you know, the role that all those things play, I think we'd be so, so, so much better off, you know? I mean, one of the most common um, patterns that people get into, and I think during this time is no no exception, is to try some kind of new restrictive eating plan that goes reasonably well early in the day and falls completely apart at about 3 or 4 p.m. and becomes maybe not a full-on binge episode, but certainly emotional eating or eating that feels more out of control because your body has not been well nourished throughout the day, you know, and one of the best things we can do to um, decrease the possibility for a binge is first of all, work on becoming as emotionally healthy as you possibly can, but also fuel, fueling your body adequately early in the day um, decreases your chance of binge eating so much. And a lot of people don't really have a good idea about what their bodies need. And often people, when they go to a dietitian, are surprised, oh, I'm really supposed to eat this much food? Because our, our society, you know, just, just is permeated with this idea that eating less equals better. It equals better self-control, body size, virtuous, it's the um, almost like a more holy way to live or something. And it's, it's not true. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it too um, is a control thing. So there's a lot of things in our life right now um, yeah. that feel very out of our control. Mm-hmm. We can't control what the schools are going to do. We can't control whether somebody's going to wear a mask or not. We can't control um, the state of the election. We can't control, um, you know, our state's response versus another state. There's just so we can't control what the, if we're going to lose our job or not. Like there's like all that stuff's kind of out of our control. But like one thing we can at least have a facade of control of is our weight and our exercise. And so I think that, um, I think we're, we need to like admit, or at least I, I know for myself, I need to admit that I'm like, try, that I'm seeking control in things. Like I'm, and that's where it comes from is like trying to control something that I feel like is controllable since everything else is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. another thing I, I've found myself doing this where I just project feelings on my body. So like it, whenever I get critical of how, cause you know, it's like that thing where like, you'll have two moments in the same day. One moment you think you look great. And then like four hours later, you're like disgusting or something really unhelpful. And you're like, what changed? And like my body did not change for hours. Right. And for me, it's a lot about just like recognizing that and saying like, what am I putting on my body that isn't my body's or like, what am I? Cause my body is like the biggest thing I project all my negativity onto. So if I'm mad about Mm-hmm. anything going on I'll find a way to be like well it's because my stomach looks like this or it's because of this and like like you're saying that it becomes a control thing of like well mm-hmm. this is the problem so let me fix it yeah. and it never has been the problem right it's a good insight a good insight about control in the midst of a lot of things that feel out of control but it also kind of goes back to you know the more controlling we tend to be usually in our culture the way that shows up is restricting food And that is actually going to lead to us feeling a greater sense of being out of control later in the Mm -hmm. day. Not only that, it messes with our metabolism. So you get into this weight, um, kind of yo-yo experience with your weight. And then, um, you know, your metabolism slows down because your body thinks that you are in a state of famine and you can't reliably get food. So it's going to hold on to food more tightly when it gets it. and, And you're not going to have the kind of normal level of metabolism that your body would have if you were feeding it regularly, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like both parts, there's the physical part and the emotional part and really Mm -hmm. the spiritual part. I mean, it's all connected. Um, you know, so the better we can treat ourselves in all of those ways. And if you guys want, I can provide a list of like dietitians. I would really highly recommend, um, people want to address food and feel a sense of control. It's wise to do it in a way that, you know, actually helps you feel a positive sense of control. I don't think a sense of control in your life around food is bad. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think we all want to feel, want to not feel out of control, at least with, with food. So, I mean, who likes that feeling? So, you know, if you want to feel a positive sense of control um, in your life around food and body and I think what you were talking about too is body image, which mm-hmm. is different than our body size, you know, cause like you're saying, you can feel one way about your body and four hours later that day feel completely different. Your body has not changed. Your feelings toward your body have changed. And so you're exactly right that so, so much of it is emotionally um, based. Yeah. I also think too, um, on the flip side, cause there's balance in all of this. Right. And I, I know for me, if I don't deal with the emotions that I'm feeling, then I will eat them. And right. there's grace for that. Obviously there's, there's grace and like, it's okay to emotionally eat sometimes. And, and it's not a, like, I, I, I'm not calling for a control of that, but it's more of like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, why am I why am I eating this? And I may still eat it because <laughs> I need to eat it. But, but like, right. why am I, why am I feeling this need to like, mm-hmm. um, put whatever emotions I'm feeling into this instead of processing it? Like, you know, same thing with like binging anything, binging Netflix or alcohol or whatever. It's because we're using it as a distraction from what like is really going on. Mm-hmm. So there's like two sides of the pendulum, right? You know, you don't want to be like over controlling and but we also have to recognize why we're doing the things we're doing too. But I think it's a way to emotionally eat in a way that isn't negative. Like, because I think there's a difference between, like, standing in front of your refrigerator at midnight, shoveling something in your mouth, and saying, like, you know what, I've had a, you know what day, I'm going to eat Cheez-Its, and going and sitting down with a bowl of Cheez-Its and eating them, 
on purpose. Like, I think they're two different, like, cause I don't, yeah. Angela, you tell me what you think, but I really, mm-hmm. I don't think emotional eating is always bad. No, I think I wouldn't because of, of, um, the work I do, usually we do talk about emotional eating as something that's undesirable in terms of not using food as the primary means of managing your emotional states. But I think what you're talking about is important. What I would just call that differently is like experiencing enjoyment with food, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're having an emotional experience of enjoyment around food is healthy and normal and to be encouraged, I think. And that is also a problem in our mentality of our culture is that, you know, to really indulge in food is too often, I think, seen as like some kind of um, out of control or negative quality that just, you know, enjoying a piece of cheesecake or something, for instance, like a lot of people, I think would comment after that experience, if they really let themselves enjoy it, you know, the sort of unhealthy attitude about that is, oh, well, gosh, I've really indulged. Now I've got to make up for that in some way, or, you know, I'm somehow cheating or bad, or I've not been good, you know, kind of language around just having a piece of cheesecake. And instead, I would love for our culture to just embrace like, um, you know, and each of us as individuals can take on that challenge of like, let yourself enjoy the foods mm-hmm. you like. You're mm-hmm. much less likely to binge eat if you're having enjoyable experiences throughout the day with foods you really love. And yep. if you're managing your emotions well. Yes. So how could someone discern in the moment, like what Rebecca is describing mm-hmm. is what, what you just described, like how can somebody in that moment just like kind of discern what they're doing and make a choice that's ultimately going to reflect what they really want, which is emotional connectedness mm-hmm. versus pleasure. I, I think it's a lot how you approach it. So having a freeing, so that's kind of goes back to like, what is the fruit of this behavior? Like, do I have a freeing positive relationship with food in my body or have I allowed myself a piece of cheesecake, but I've thought about it for the past 10 days and put a lot of restrictions around it. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes almost a stressful experience to even have the cheesecake. Like, you know, that is not what I wish for anyone. So it's, if you want to reflect on your emotional connection to food, I think that's a great practice to maybe do some journaling um, before or after you eat um, meals also, there's mindful eating practices that are just better practices, I think, like mm-hmm. sitting down, like don't multitask, don't eat in front of the TV, um, you know, instead put the food that you want that looks enjoyable to you and that represents food groups, but is food you like, you know, represents the different food groups, put it on a plate and sit down at a table, put on some enjoyable music. Like mm-hmm. now, of course, you know, sometimes we're busy. We can't do this perfectly all the time, but if we have at least some of those mindful eating experiences where we really stop and taste the food and fully enjoy it, um, and we're not apologetic about mm-hmm. having that experience, you know, again, I think you're way less likely to then use food emotionally in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like less likely to abuse it. Right. You know, you're giving it yeah. um, space and like honor because right. it, like God made food good. He did not have to make food taste good. And like it's sad to think that, I mean, I've done this for years where you just eat and you have that mentality of like, well, this is just fuel. And like, I just need to like, you know, it's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an enjoyable experience. And right. I mean, I that's the thing. Sex is just for making babies. Like that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's not, we all know, hopefully, we're, we're being honest with ourselves. Like that is not all it's for. So yeah. if you, you know, our relationship with food is really powerful in how we experience it. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yep. Well, that's good. I hope yeah, that's uh, good. So we'll have resources in the show notes. For- yes, definitely. Do you have any like just word final words on like, you know, embracing your body during this time or mental health in general or? Yeah. I mean, 
I get passionate about these things about food and really, you know, I don't want to sound um, judgmental of anything anyone's doing because I also believe that if you have certain behaviors around food that are concerning or that maybe have become concerning because, because of what you're hearing talked about here, um, you know, try to have compassion for yourself that there's probably a reason that you have that relationship with food that you do. And that's worth exploring. That's one of those things that's worth exploring, just like depression or anxiety or any other sort of symptomatic experience. You know, there, there are reasons why we experience these things. Um, so try to avoid this feeling like feeling um, that there's just something wrong with you or that you, you're never going to be able to get to a better place with it. Like, yeah. There really are ways to address all these different things that can help you have insight about why you do it and have compassion for yourself about why you do it and to have a different experience. Yeah, I like that because there really is always a good reason for it. Like, you're not crazy. <laughs> like, it's not, I mean, like, there's always uh, a reason we do things they do. And like you said earlier, yeah. like, if you don't deal with your emotions, like, they're going to come out. And like, right. see all these things we're talking about, that's kind of what's happened is like, it's things bubbling over. Mm -hmm. And that's not something to shame yourself about. That's something exactly. to get curious about and love yourself and say, like, I love myself. How can I help myself get through this versus like, what's wrong with me? Exactly. Yeah. Like I tell clients a lot, like it, it, no one wakes up one morning and says, Hmm, I think I'll develop an eating disorder. That sounds like a good idea. You know, no one does that. I mean, it, it, they might start with a diet or something, but I mean, there's lots of ways it develops. It's multi-layered, but and sometimes people struggle with feeling like it, it was their choice to develop that issue, but there it's, it, there's so many layers to it. And if we can just have compassion for whatever we're, our experience is, there is probably a very good explanation um, when you gain that self-awareness and then, you know, so try to enter it, the process with compassion. And what would you say to someone who's listening is like, this is all great, but I still gained 10, 15, 20 pounds during the right. and I'm upset. What would you think? Well, I would challenge that person to ask themselves, what is it that you're believing about yourself because you are 10 or 15 pounds different than what you were a year ago or whenever? Um, what, it, you know, what is the emotional, um, sort of what are the emotional layers attached to that for you? It's not just about weight. It's, mm -hmm. it's got to be about other things. Like, um, I, you know, what is uncomfortable about that for you? Is it emotionally uncomfortable? Does it remind you of a different stage of life that you didn't like? Does it, you know, um, seem to represent something to you that you don't think is true about you, but you feel like others are going to assume it's true about you because you gained 15 pounds. Like, what is this really about for you? Mm. So, and that's a place to start and talking it through with someone can be really, really helpful. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Angela, again. All the time you've taken with us today and yeah, we'll put lots of resources in the notes and ways they can find you and things that you've written on all of this stuff. And right, um, yeah. Yeah. And all everybody, we all, uh, yeah, we're all in this together. Yes, we are. We are great to yeah. be here. Thanks guys. And, and exactly. just a reminder, everybody to take good care of themselves. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh -huh. Bye everybody. Bye. Yeah.